without further ado, we're in a series right now entitled Find the Gold. And, uh, and so my dad is a, is a pastor here at Res Life. And uh, he, he's going to bring a fiery word tonight. I'm not sure if he'll be as loud as me. Hopefully not as long-winded as me. But, uh, but um, without further ado, I'm going to invite my dad up. Give it up for Pastor Bernie. Pastor Bernie Blaukamp. Rock and roll, Pops. All right, man. You better pray for me. Should I pray, pray for now? you? Pray for Let's me. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we just pray for, uh, for the word that's going to be spoken tonight, that it would touch our hearts, God, it would challenge us, it would convict us and inspire us to be uh, wholehearted followers of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I'm excited to be here. Um, first of all, I'm, at my age, I'm excited to be anywhere. But anyway, um, three and a half years ago, I almost died. My heart stopped for six hours. And they had me in a heart-lung machine the whole time while they rewired my whole insides. And now I'm good as new. I got a whole new set of pipes inside of me. I'm healthy. And so when I say I'm glad to be anywhere, I really am glad to be anywhere. It was about two, three months before Jake and Abby got married, before my first grandbaby was born. Now we got three grandbabies. Whoa, whoo. Yeah. We got my grand dude back there, and we got my grandbaby girl somewhere else, and another grandbaby girl somewhere else. And wife, uh, Kimmy, where are you? Where's wifey? Can't see her. Mrs. B. And if you don't know Mrs. B, you missed half your life. Yeah. We, we, we all love Mrs. B, and I, I'm married to her for 32 years, and uh, I met her here at church. Church is a great place to meet your wife. Guys, church is a great place to meet your wife. I met her here at this church. I was praying for somebody. I was literally praying for somebody, and this guy was in a wheelchair, and I was, I was ministering to him, praying for him, and I looked up, and I saw this beautiful blonde girl. And I went, oh, Jesus, no. And I closed my eyes because I, I was all distracted. And I couldn't think about what I was doing no more. And so I, got, I closed my eyes and I finished praying for the guy. The guy actually got out of the wheelchair, by the way. And it was pretty amazing. And afterwards, she goes, hi, my name's Kim. And I went, yes. <laughs> and then she married me about a year later. So not even a year later, we were married. So... It's a very cool thing. We've been married 32 years. She's the love of my life. I love her with all my heart. She keeps life interesting, and if you ever get lazy, she'll put you to work. So today, I want to talk to you about words. Words are hugely important, and if you're going to, um, if you're going to really succeed in life, you have to learn that words are very important. Whatever you say about something sets a course like a rudder. You know, in, in the book of James, it says the tongue is like the rudder on a ship. You know, you can have all the power you want, but if you don't have a rudder on your ship, you can't steer it, right? You'll just kind of go wherever and you won't be able to turn. The rudder causes the ship to turn, and if you turn the rudder this way, the ship goes that way. If you turn it that way, the ship goes that way. And the same thing is true with your tongue. It's that pink thing in your mouth, and it says that all of hell is set on fire by the tongue. Ooh, now that's not good, because you know, if you use it wrong, it can really be a bad thing, but if you use it right, it can be a super good thing, and so the words that we speak set the course and the direction of our lives. 
So I want to just talk about how important words are. But before we can talk about our words, we got to talk about God's words. Okay? Because God's words are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, last night, Mrs. B and I were in my backyard, and I got, you have to understand, I like gadgets because I'm a guy, and guys like gadgets, right? I have the coolest flashlight in the world. This thing, could, you could see it from space. It's so bright. And I have this light, and she's out there with her little phone trying to pick up poop in our backyard from our puppies. And she's got this little wimpy little flashlight on her phone. She can barely see. And in comes me with my flashlight. It's called Farlight. And this thing, man, it lights up. It's like a, like a spotlight for the airport. It's so bright. I get out there, and she goes, wow, I can see everything now. Lights up the whole backyard. It's like held in your hand. And the other, it's like, guys, it's cool. Now, if you're, when, you, when you get old, you'll like flashlights, okay? okay? Right now, it's not important to you. But when you're old like me, flashlights are cool. But so I, I'm lighting up. I'm lighting up the backyard, and, and we can see where all the poop is so we can pick it up so my grandbabies don't step in it. Good thing, right? So why am I saying that? Because God's word is a light unto our path and a lamp, a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. It's like my cool flashlight that you don't have to worry about stepping in poop when you got God's word in front of you because it lights the path for you, Right? So that's got so so if you're gonna really walk with God, you've gotta really accept what his word says. See, you gotta have a standard of what you believe. Because if you don't have a standard for what you believe, you'll believe whatever everybody else is saying. See, enough people say something, people believe it. But what does God say about it? That's what we need to get back to. And we're not gonna talk about anything in anything in particular right now about what God's word says about different things. I just want to bring up this one thing, and that is God has a lot to say about a lot of things in his word. He has a lot of standards that he's set in his word, and his word, it says, endures forever. It says that your word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. See, heaven and earth are all going to pass away, but God's word is going to remain forever. It's forever settled. In other words, it's not going to change. This is not subject to change. No matter what anybody else says, it's not subject to change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's word is not morphing into something different. God's word does not change and adapt to whatever culture says. Okay, Because culture goes up and down. The Romans thought it was okay to murder anybody they didn't like. Okay, The Greeks thought it was okay to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Americans think it's okay to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But you know, God's word says there's standards to our treatment of each other, treatment of children, treatment of helpless, treatment of other people. See, God's word has standards. So what we've got to do is go to God's word. Because heaven and earth are going to pass away. America's going to come and go. Rome, it, it came, it rose, it fell, right? Greece, it came, it rose, it fell. Hannibal, he came to the, he had all his elephants and everything. Well, he ain't no more. We don't know who Hannibal is hardly anymore, right? But he once conquered the world, right? Alexander the Great, he did, right? <laughs> Where are they? They're all gone. But God's word is still here. See, all those guys are gone. 
Do what they say don't matter because they're gone. But God's word remains forever. John 12, Jesus said, whoever rejects my word rejects me. Ooh. Some people I hear them say, well, I like Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. Well, if you don't like the Bible, you don't like Jesus. Because Jesus is the word. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So you can't say, I like Jesus, I don't like the Bible. Because Jesus and the Bible, they're like the same. He says, me and the Father, we're one. God's word and Jesus, they're the same. Because Jesus is the word. So I just wanted to say that, you know, the word, Jesus said, the words that I speak will one day judge you. Ooh, ouch. The word, he says, so if you reject my words, the words that I speak will one day judge you. So you can't, you can't separate Jesus from his word. You can't say, oh, Jesus, I like Jesus. He's all love and he's all good. And Jesus, and we got this deal. It's okay because Jesus and me, well, you know, we're tight. We're like this. Well, if you ain't tight with his word, you ain't tight with Jesus. Because Jesus and the word are one. I'm not trying to yell at anybody. I'm just saying that Jesus is the word. So if you like, if you like Jesus, read his word. He said, Jesus said a few times, why do you say you love me, but you won't do what I say? He said, don't bother saying you love me if you won't listen to me. Because if you love me, listen to me. Because here's the deal. God doesn't have your, he doesn't want bad things for you. It says these things were written for your benefit. They're written for your good, not for your bad. So we got to start with God's word. So we have to have, just start before we talk about words and the power of words and the rudder and, and all that. God's word is the foundation of our lives. See, if we don't have God's word as the foundation, then we end up talking about how I feel or I think and I have an opinion, right? How many know that? That's true all over the place. All you got to do is go on social media. Lots of opinions. But God's word is not subject to my opinion. My opinion don't mean anything compared to what God's word says. In fact, I read today, and it was, it was in an old, like a hundred-year-old sermon from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If you don't know who Charles Haddon Spurgeon is, look it up sometime. He, that dude could preach. Hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago, 140 years ago, he, he lit the world on fire with the gospel and caused a revival with his preaching. The Holy Spirit caused a revival, but he used him. And one of the things he said is he said, opinions are the lowest form of knowledge. I love it. I mean, it's 140 years ago. Opinions are the lowest form of knowledge, subject to error. I love it. I'm like, that's my new quote of the day. <laughs> Opinions are the lowest form of knowledge. Because they aren't based in anything but what you think, one person. It's not based in truth. It's not based in, it's based in what I think. So my opinion, I always, I've said this for years, my opinion with $2 can get you a good cup of coffee at any restaurant, along with $2. Usually can get you a cup of coffee. In other words, it's worthless. My opinion doesn't mean anything. Okay, so everybody's got an opinion. Opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. They all have a couple holes in it, right? <laughs> so 
opinions. Some of you will get that on the way home. But, <laughs> but the reality is truth trumps opinion. And I don't mean to use that word as a political statement about our president. And it's just truth beats opinions. You got to be careful what you say around here, right? <laughs> truth is higher level of knowledge than opinion. Let me say it that way. So we start with God's word as the basis of truth. I love your word. Your word is truth, right? Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but your word will never pass away. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. So when I don't know where to go, I can go to God's word and get direction. I can get light upon my path so I don't step in something, right? Because God's word gives me lamp and a light so I can see. So when we're up against a situation or up against a problem, first thing you do, we abide in his word. We, now, what does it mean to abide? It means to live, to habitate, to forever camp there. We live in God's word. Does it mean you walk around with your nose in your Bible every day? Like the, No, that's not what I mean. I mean, you put his word in your heart, and then you meditate on it. And throughout the day, you say, Holy Spirit, you know, you, you acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit and you say, Lord, how does that word apply to my life right now as you're walking around and as that word that you read that morning and as Noah's busy installing sprinklers or shoveling, a, digging a hole or digging a trench or whatever he does as a landscaper, he could say, God, what does that mean? Show me what that means as he's digging that hole, right? And the Holy Spirit can teach him while he's digging a hole, right? Is that true? It's true. See, but that's abiding in the word. When you, when you just acknowledge God's presence every day, wherever you are, wherever you go, you, you get into the word. It doesn't have to be all day, but you can just be in his presence all day, and you can actually acknowledge his presence and his word, and the Holy Spirit will bring things to light in your life. So I would say just as a, as a quick kind of here's what you can do. Pick a scripture passage, passage, read it, and think about it, and then kind of maybe write it down and take it with you. Read it a couple times during the day. You know what you're doing? You're meditating. The Bible says, I will meditate on his law day and night. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're doing some kind of crazy Middle Eastern thing or you know, Eastern religion thing. It means you're, you're thinking about God's word, and you're going, huh, what does it mean to dwell in the secret place of the Almighty and I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh thee. No evil can come nigh me and no plague can come near my dwelling. What does that mean? That means when you're in trouble that you can call on that scripture and it brings peace to your heart. Why? Because that's God's word and that brings a lamp to your feet and a light to your path because that's God's word. See? And that, that word, when you put God's words into your mouth and speak God's words, things change. See, God's word in your mouth is powerful. When you speak God's words, it's powerful. And it will literally change situations. Think about this. Jesus is on the boat. His, he's sleeping. He's taking a nap. His disciples are on in, the up, in the upper part of the boat. Man, they're having a storm, a big-time storm. The waves are crashing over. You know, it, it's really tense. They think they're going to die, right? So they finally get down in there, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care? 
are you going to sleep while we all die? And he goes, what's the deal, man? I was sleeping. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, look at the waves. Look at the wind. Oh, we're all going to die. Ah! Right? You can just see Peter screaming like a little girl. <laughs> Jesus said, chill, Peter. Peace. Be still. Everything goes quiet. I could just imagine one of them said, dude. <laughs> Shh, don't say nothing. I mean, seriously, the waves stopped immediately because Jesus spoke to the storm. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I was in Kalamazoo. I was preaching. This is 15 or 18 years ago. I think some of my boys were with me. I don't know, if Jake, if you were even born yet. So it must have been 25 years ago. Because um, you're like 26 or something. Um, I don't know who was with me. I think my wife was me. I don't know. Kids are with me. Anyway, so we're in Kalamazoo, and I'm preaching at this church in Kalamazoo. And all of a sudden, like a, a, this is so funny. A fireman sticks his head in the window of the church because I was preaching this, this tiny little church with no screens on the windows. It was like this podunk country church. It didn't have no screens on the windows. A, a fireman stuck his head through the window while I was preaching and said, y'all have to leave, a tornado's coming. <laughs> Screamed at us. Everybody, ah! Everybody goes down in the basement and uh, it was like wild, you know. And we're sitting there and I, I was young and stupid. So, hey, I went outside. Isn't that what you're supposed to do when a tornado's coming? I went outside like every stupid man does, right? So I go outside with me and this other guy who was one of the leaders of the church because the pastor wasn't there. I was filling in for him. And I walk outside and I go, in the name of Jesus, tornado, go that way or that way. I don't care. You ain't coming here. And I started screaming at the sky. Because the tornado, they said, was coming right at us. And we were in a wooden, old, crappy building. And it was not going to be good. Okay? And I started screaming at the sky and said, tornado, you go that way or that way, but you ain't coming here. Go back up in the sky. You ain't coming here. And you know what happened? That tornado was coming right at us. And that tornado went, boop, bounced over us and landed two blocks behind us and destroyed four or five houses, bounced up again, hit four or five houses, destroyed trees, everything was, power lines, everything was destroyed. Thing bounced right over top of us. Then you say, oh, that was lucky. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> or it might have something to do with the fact that we talked to it and commanded it and it obeyed us, right? So you can talk to things and they obey you. Okay, now... I wouldn't recommend going out in the middle of a tornado, but we didn't have much choice because if we stayed in the basement, we were probably going to die if the thing came, you know, so we just, I just went outside. Anyway, so speaking God's word, how, how, why, do, why in the world would I do that? Why would I go outside and act like a lunatic and talk to a tornado, okay? That sounds stupid, doesn't it? Probably not to you guys because you're a bunch of crazies like us, right? Here's why. Jesus talked to a tree. Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus went to a tree. The tree didn't have any figs, and he says, darn tree, nobody eat fruit from you again. And, he, and, the, and the next day they came by, that tree was withered up from the roots. Jesus talked to a tree, and the tree died. 
Now, when I say he cursed it to you, I don't mean he used bad words. He just said, let no one eat fruit of you again. That's cursing it. He separated it from his life source. The next day, it was dead. The disciples go, whoa, Jesus, that tree you cursed, it's dead. And he goes, so can you do these things if you say to this mountain, be plucked up and cast into the sea, and you believe and you doubt not in your heart, you'll have whatsoever things you say. That's verse. I've meditated on that verse for 30 years. Why, can I, why do I believe you can talk to things and things change? Because that's what Jesus said. And you know what? Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. I'm sorry, um, sound guy, Alec, or whoever's back there. Uh, I'm totally going off script. So that's why they're not putting the scriptures up. Um, so Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith. Say, how do I get faith? Do I pray for faith? Do I, do I, do I uh, hang around with other people? What do I do? How do I get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. So if you want faith for healing, read healing scriptures. If you want faith for finances, read scriptures that have to do with finances. If you want faith for purpose, read scriptures about your purpose. If you want faith for a wife, trust God. I couldn't resist it. I'll, I'll really tell you. Here's the deal. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. Let me tell you how I found my wife. I just sought God with all my heart, and she was seeking God with all her heart, and we met at Jesus. That's how you find your wife, guys. You seek the Lord with all your heart, and then she seeks her. Because you know what? You, you're going to seek God with all your heart. You don't want some girl who don't want to serve God. That's, that's jacked up. Don't do that. She's going to mess you up. She's going to pull you down. You want some girl who's seeking God with all her heart. And if she ain't seeking God with all her heart, loser. I'm not calling her a loser. I'm telling you to lose her. Okay? Gosh, I'm getting in trouble tonight. Because you got to seek God with, and if my wife was seeking God with all her heart, I was seeking God with all my heart, and we met at Jesus. That's literally, we literally met at the altar. We literally met at the altar. We did, at this church. That's where we met, because we were both seeking God with all our hearts. See, and that's how you find a wife. You don't go looking online and looking at the bar. That's dumb. Don't do that, Okay. Find somebody who loves Jesus. I'm, uh, I'm talking to, I used to lead this, this, this age group. My wife and I led this age group from before y'all were born. But um, <laughs> 19, 1990 through 95, uh, we led this group. We started this group in 1990. We led it for five years. And um, yeah, probably when your parents were born, you know. Um, but. <laughs> Not really. Y'all were born in 90s. I know. I'm just teasing. Just take it easy. Don't get all upset at me. Oh, man, I'm digging a hole. I'm digging a hole. Here we go. Back to the Bible, and I'll stop meddling. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I will say this. Words Open the door for God to move in your life. Words open the door. Because, you know, he made you a free moral agent. He made all of us a free moral agent. 
able to choose right or wrong, good from evil. We're free. You can do whatever you darn well please. You really can. Now, I'm not saying it's right, but you can. You have the ability to choose to do wrong. He created Adam and Eve with the ability to choose to disobey him. And you still have that choice. It's, you're a free moral agent. But your, your will is the difference. So your words open the door for God to move in your life. Now I'm going to say the, the balance of that. Your words also can open the door for the devil to move in your life. If you say the wrong words. If you have the wrong set of words, you can actually open the door for the enemy to move in your life. I'll give you an example of this. I had a cousin... He, uh, he, didn't, he didn't know any better. He was raised in kind of a negative family and kind of religious, but kind of negative. And he had this habit, and he would always say, I don't need to save for retirement. I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 50 anyway. Now, as a point of reference, I'm 57. You know, I'm glad I didn't die at 50. But anyway, he, he would always say that. My cousin Terry would say, I don't need retirement. I'm going to be dead time I'm 50 anyway. I don't, I'm going to make sure my life insurance is paid up because my wife's going to have to live a long time without me because I'll be dead time I'm 50. He would just say that. And I'm like, I would say to him, Terry, what are you talking about? Stop it. Don't talk like that. It's, ah, ha, 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 ha. He thought it was a big joke. At 49, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And they said, you have 30 days to live. Hello? He's in chemo. He calls me up. He had just gotten saved. He had just literally gotten his, he, I, I was able to pray with him. He got saved here at this church. He still goes to this church, so there's a good end to this story. This was in 2002 this happened. And so he gets diagnosed. He calls me up. I pray with him. He starts chemo. He's in his first chemo treatment. He's laying there in a chemo. They put this IV in your arm, and they, you have to, they put, you know, chemo in your arm, and that's the, it kills the cancer and everything else in your body, too, for the most part. But it, it's supposed to kill the cancer, and so that's what he had. He had lung cancer. He had a tumor in his lung they could not remove. It was inoperable. It covered both lungs, and it was wrapped around part of his heart. It was literally inoperable. They could not operate. The only thing they do was give him chemo. So they gave him chemo. While he's taking chemo, he's there laying there, and he's praying. He's saying, God, help me. I don't want to die. You know, I don't want to die. Help me. That's why he's praying, right? While he's there taking chemo, he gets an open vision. And he gets an open vision of himself saying, I'll be dead by the time I'm 50. I don't need life insurance. I'll be dead. I don't need in retirement. I'll be dead. I'll be dead by the time I'm 50. He saw it six different times with him saying, I'll be dead by the time I'm 50. And he woke up and he was like, what was that? And God said, you opened the door. Close it. So he calls me up right after he's done with chemo. He's shaking. He's crying. He's going, this is what just happened to me. What do I do? What does this mean? What happened? What do I do? I said, you need to immediately repent to me right now and renounce every time you ever said that and declare that you're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. So he goes, Father, I ask you to forgive me for stupid things. I said, no, 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 no. Say, I repent from saying I'll be dead by 50. I renounce it. I'm going to live. Say that. So he says, I repent from saying I'll be dead by the time I'm 50. I renounce it. I believe that Jesus wants me to live, and I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord, and I'm not going to die. I said, now write that down and say it 
a hundred times a day so that you can get your brain renewed that I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Start saying it right now. Start saying it. He kept doing chemo. Don't get me wrong. He didn't like jump off a cliff. He, he kept doing chemo, but he kept on saying that, and we kept agreeing with him. And in 90 days, the doctor said, we fully expected you to be dead by now because this chemo, we didn't think it was going to do any good. But that tumor is completely gone, and you're well. And what happened is that God had mercy on him, and he was able to undo the words that he had said, and he instead replaced them with God's words about his situation. He had cursed himself, really, is what he had done. He had cursed himself by saying that he was going to be dead by the time he's 50. So he had to undo that and say, God, I believe your word over that, what is said right there. And to, he's still alive today. He was in church Sunday. I saw him. He, uh, he, he, him and his wife are greeters at Door K. And uh, he's alive. He's cancer-free. He's, he's doing well. He's retired. He's like, I don't know, 67 or 68 years old now. Healthy as a horse. Doing great, but you know, he almost died at 49 because of words that he said. Now, that's a very extreme example. I get it. Say, so, what the world? I got to be, oh, I got to be afraid of what I say? No, just don't say dumb things like that. <laughs> don't curse yourself. Don't say, oh, I'm a loser. I can't do anything right. No, don't say that. Repent. Right now, just say, God, I'm sorry. That's not true. I remember saying, to one of my sons, I don't know who it was, he was saying something bad about himself. I said, don't talk about my son like that. He's my son, you know, so, you know, how about yourself? And the other day I said something bad, and that nasty little son of mine named Jared, he says, don't talk about my dad like that. I went, oh, geez. <laughs> Cuts both ways, baby. Cuts both ways. Cuts both ways. I got reproved by my son. And he was right. That's the good part. At least he was right. So the words that we speak are super important. It's super important. Speaking God's word will change the situation. See, will it change it right away like Jesus? Uh, maybe not. Will it make a tornado jump over a house? Uh, probably. I think so. If I was there, it would. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and I've heard that word so much. I have faith for weather. I do. Okay? And I'm not bragging. It's just reality. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. So get into the word. Build your faith. Do the impossible. Say, I am bold. I am strong. Say, I can witness. I'm not afraid. Why would I be afraid of somebody? I got the king living inside of me. See? You're bold. You're strong. You're courageous. See, you're not weak. You're not a wimp. You're not peddling some crazy stuff. You're peddling the best news anybody ever had. You got the best news anybody ever had. Here's the best news. Jesus loves them. He wants to forgive them, give them a brand new life, give them a home in heaven, and fix whatever's wrong with them right now. That's a pretty good day, isn't it? That's what Jesus wants to do for everybody. See, is he going to fix it right now? Probably not, but it's, it'll start. It's a process. It can begin the process. You know, the best, the, how about this? The best, the worst day as a Christian is better, the worst day as a Christian is better than my best day as a non-Christian. 
My worst day as a believer in Jesus is way better than my best day before I was saved. Because you know what? Everything changes. Here's the thing. There are two realms in life. There's the spiritual and there's the natural. And when you, if you only look at the natural, life can really suck sometimes. It really can. If you only look at the natural, life just kind of sucks. And it's just like, what? What's going on? This is jacked up. What's going on here? This is awful. If you only look at the natural. So you've got it. Like, like that's what the disciples were doing when they were in the boat. They were only looking at the natural, and they're going, dude, we're going to die, right? But Jesus, he could see beyond the natural to the supernatural, and he said, peace, be still. I mean, he did create the whole world. He knows how it works. So he just basically said, hey, peace, be still, and it all calmed down. When you're facing an awful situation in the natural, we have to look to the word because the word gives us insight into the spiritual. And in the spiritual realm, you have hope. In the spiritual realm, in the God realm, there's always hope. It's never too late. Heck, even if I die, I still win. Come on. Even if I, even if I would have died three years ago, I'd have gone to heaven. What's so bad about that? Right? Now, I would have missed a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm really glad I'm here. And I'm going to stay here a really long time, just so you know. But, and I'm going to be healthy and not drooling in a cup, okay? So... <laughs> We're going to be young and zippy. That's what my wife always says. We're young and zippy, and I'm trying to finally agreeing with her. We're young and zippy. And, but see, even if I would have died three and a half years ago, I still would have won because I'd have gone to heaven. I'd have seen my brother, my dad, my other brother, my grandma, my grandpa I never met. All, I mean, I'd have been in a huge family reunion. Hey, you can't lose. I mean, even if, you, even if something awful happens and I would have died, I still would have won. I mean, heck, we can't lose. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price. He's already paid the price. We can't lose. Even in losing, you win in this earth because there's a spiritual and then there's a natural. In the natural, even if you lose, you still win. If you do it right, if you keep your heart right, if you don't get angry, if you don't get bitter, if you don't curse God, and if you don't do all these other things, even in the natural, if something goes wrong, even if you lose something, you still win if you keep a right heart about it, if you keep a right confession about it and don't go all negative about, oh, woe is me, poor old me, okay? We still win. We can still win. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those, that, those that who love it will eat its fruit. Out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. With your words, you're justified. With your words, you're condemned. Man, it's really important to use God's word in your situation. So when you come across situations, what does God say about your situation? You just lost your job. Let's just say you just lost your job. You lost your job. You have, you know, everything's backwards. You're behind in your bills and you lost your job. What's God say about that? Well, it says that I... Well, here's a scripture that I like. I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That's a pretty good scripture. I can have confidence. Hey, no matter what happens, I was young and now, the, the psalmist David said that, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed or his children begging bread. 
That's good news. Why? God's going to supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He, he, makes, he, he supplies all our needs. Why? So th- that's a scripture. So whatever it is, whatever situation you're finding yourself in, find God's word. And God's word has within it the resident power to make itself come to pass. I know that I just said a big mouthful. But God's word, when you take God's word, like may the God of peace sanctify you fully, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's in Thessalonians. Okay? Now, when you say a word like that, you say, what does that mean? Well, may the God of peace sanctify me fully, spirit, soul, and body. God, you're going to sanctify, you're going to set me apart with my spirit, my soul, and my body. You're going to keep me. You're never going to let me go. You're going to keep me no matter what happens until the day of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what that verse means. And it's like, that's good news. Hey, the, the peace of God will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That the peace of God, let the peace that passes all understanding, which means it's the peace that goes beyond or goes above human understanding, may that peace keep your heart and mind calm in Christ Jesus. So when you don't know what's going on, you can have the peace that goes beyond human understanding. And when you don't understand it with your mind, you can still have peace in your heart because you have the Prince of Peace and he gives peace that goes beyond your human understanding and he'll keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, he calls those things that be not as though they were. Jesus, man, he looked at a blind man and he goes, see. He looked at a lame man and he goes, get up. He looked at, a, at, a, at a, a, another person that, that was, um, he couldn't talk. He was mute. He, he spit on some clay and stuck it on his tongue and the dude started to talk. I mean, he, he said, your servant lives to the centurion. Jesus called those things that be not as though they were all the time. You know, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's what he said, let there be light. So he talked to the darkness and he said, light be. And light came. Like, just like me, little old me said, tornado, get out of here. And the tornado didn't touch because we talked to it, right? So that's what we do. We talk to our, to our situations. The Bible says that you'll have whatsoever things you say, as long, and I would put this caveat, when you say what God says. This isn't licensed just to say, oh, I'm going to get a Mercedes by tomorrow. That's not, probably not going to happen. Sorry. Okay. But if you say, my God's going to supply my need, and I really need a car, and I'm going to get a car, I, think I, can, I can get on to that one, because you probably will get a car. Why? Because if you really do need a car, God will find a way to get you a car. You know, I've had cars given to me, like four of them, okay, over the years. Just out of the blue, somebody says, hey, I want to give you this car. I'm like, really? Thanks. Cool. Okay? Um, just... Like, you know, just crazy stuff, okay? One lady out of the blue just decided to give us a car one time. Another one, a friend of mine just out of the blue, hey, I want you to have this car. Threw me the keys and the title. I went, why? I don't need a car. He goes, yeah, God told me to give it to you. So God can give, God can get you whatever you need. God can get you whatever. And I didn't get that because I was a pastor. I got that because God loves me, that's all. And he loves you too. 
and he loves you too. Doesn't mean God's going to give you a car tomorrow, but what I'm saying is God will supply your needs. God will supply your needs, but you got to say what God says about it. Don't be woe is me. How come this never happens for me? Oh, Pastor Bernie got a car. How come I don't get a car? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. When you feel sorry for yourself, you know what you're doing? You're, in, you're proclaiming your own defeat when you feel sorry for yourself. When you feel sorry for your, yeah, I'm sorry I hurt somebody there. I stepped on your toes. Sorry. When you feel sorry for yourself, you are proclaiming your own defeat. But when you say, my God shall supply. My God has made a way for me. My God will make a way for me. For all you girls, my God's going to give me a godly husband, if that's what you want. Okay? <laughs> if you want to stay single, stay single. That's all good. My God, because you don't want no, 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 I'll talk to the girls for a while. I'll meddle for a while again now. You don't want some clown. Okay? You want a godly man. Okay? You don't want some clown. Okay? You don't want some clown who thinks he's prettier than you are. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do that. So, anyway. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Here's one, even a fool is counted wise when he keeps his mouth shut. Woo! I better, I better read that one again, okay? Talk a little less, read the word a little more. There we go. Ecclesiastes, it says... Don't be rash with your words. Let not your heart utter anything hastily. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. And let your words be few. <laughs> heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means, by no means pass away. See, God's word is forever settled. I'll get back to the start. God's word is forever settled. God's word's never going to change. It's never going to be done. It's never going to go away. God's word, when everything else is rubble, and this whole earth is melted with fervent heat, it says, God's word's going to remain. His word is still going to be there. When we get to heaven one day, his word will still be there. His word is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change. It's forever settled. And the Bible is the source of God's word. And if you look at the Bible, if you love Jesus, I would say love the Bible because the Bible is God's word. And if Jesus is God's word, he's the word made flesh. So the word of God is the foundation for all of our lives. When you wonder, what do I do about this issue? What, about it? what do I do about that issue? What's God say about that? I'd say go to the Bible and find out what God says about it and agree with God. Because if you, if you agree with me, you might be right. But if you agree with God, you're going to be right. Because God's always right. I'm wrong sometimes, but God's always right. And if I disagree with God, I'm wrong. That's the way that works. Anybody that disagrees with God is wrong. Because God's right. Why? Because he's God. Okay? And he, he knows all things. That's called being omniscient. And I know this is a very unpopular view in today's world. What do you mean? There's only one way. You got it. There is only one way. His name is Jesus. There is one way. His name is Jesus. That's the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds exclusive. I'm sorry, but it is. 
Anybody can come, but there's only one door. Anybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Every color, every creed, every nation, every tongue. They're all welcome. Everybody's welcome. But there's only one door. And you got to come through Jesus. There's one door. Say, what about all those people who think otherwise? I just know what God says, and I agree with God. I don't hate them. I don't dislike them. I pray for them that God will show himself strong to them because there is one way. See, nobody ever quibbles about being, what is two plus two equal? Somebody say it out. Four. Well, what if I want it to be five? I feel like it's five. I just feel like it's five. So it's five because I said so. Right? That's what's going on today all over the place with every issue you can think of. Everybody's redefining everything, okay? And you got to have a standard by which you're going to go to, and that standard, my friends, is the Bible, okay? It's the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that your Word is forever settled, that, Father, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but your Word's going to be here forever. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We commit to your word. We thank you, Father, that your word brings life and light and health and strength and courage. And everything we need is resident within your word. That, Father, we just agree with your word that we are bold. We are strong. We are victorious. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are so loved. We are accepted. We are worth it. That you thought we were worth sending your only son, the most precious thing you had, your only son. You thought each one of us individually was worth sending your son to die and be abused and to pay the price that he didn't owe so that we could receive forgiveness that we didn't earn. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And Father... Touch every single person here, Father, just at the point of their need. Father, whatever it is they need in their life, I thank you that you meet them right where they're at, that there's no condemnation, that there's no judgment or, 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 or insults, but rather love, acceptance, but also help, help from your Holy Spirit to come in line with your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. A amen. A amen. Amen.